0: Welcome to episode number 45 of the Raw Food Podcast. I am your host, Laura Jane the Rotarian, and on today's episode, we're gonna be talking all about the psychology of eating and some really practical, useful tips that you can take back home into your life and really implement to help you make better food choices did you know that we make over 200 choices every single day about what to eat when to eat how much to eat all this good stuff so we're going to talk particularly a lot about snacking and why we snack and how to make some better snacking choices and at the end we're going to really dig into some interesting psychological facts about plate size and even the color of your plate and how that impacts what you're putting on it. So stay tuned and I'll be back with you shortly. Today, we are talking about the psychology of eating. It is something that we probably don't spend a lot of time thinking about, but the psychology of what to eat, when to eat, how much to eat is something that we are all actively practicing every day, or that we want to acknowledge it or not. The reason that I wanted to talk about this topic today actually came out of a conversation I was just having with my husband. We were talking about a guest that we'd had over and we had all been sitting around the table and, you know, chatting just like you do when you have family or friends over. And there was a big, there was a whole bunch of food on the table, kind of remnants from dinner. And one of them was just a bowl of baby carrots. And my husband is not a fan of carrots I don't know why I don't know what's wrong with them he loves he's a very great eater but just carrots in particular he always says they taste like soap he doesn't really like them and what he was telling me the other day just was that he's like do you remember when we had you know that person over for dinner and there was that bowl of carrots I just kept snacking on the baby carrots during the conversation and normally I don't like carrots." And that was weird. He was saying how he ate all the carrots that were just kind of sitting there in this communal bowl, but he doesn't even like carrots. And he thought that was interesting. And that, of course, piqued my interest about, well, that's odd. Why did you eat all the carrots? But just, you know, in terms of snacking and why we do these funny things, like eat a bowl of something that we don't even particularly like. So anyway, this all kind of got me talking and thinking about the psychology of eating. So you may have heard me talk in the past episode about mindless eating and decision making or decision-free lifestyle, actually, where I talked about how there's every day we're making about 35,000 decisions from... You know, should I hit the snooze? How much longer can I sleep? To what should I eat? What should I wear? What should I do today? All these decisions every day. And about maybe 200 of the decisions that we make every day relate to food. So we're actually making a lot of decisions, sometimes unconsciously. You know, you might be doing your work and thinking, hmm, what am I going to, do I need a snack or should I pull open that drawer and get something out? So it's actually something we're thinking about a lot of time times. So the main focus of this episode today is where I'm going to talk a little bit about snacking and some of the psychology behind snacking and then I'm also going to just broaden it up a little bit and share some of the tidbits that I learned um, from reading this really great book called Mindless Eating by Dr. Brian Wansink. He's a researcher at Cornell University and he really digs into all of these issues in terms of why we eat, what we eat, and how to make some environmental changes in our life and daily habits to help us eat the kinds of things that we want to eat. So I might as well jump in and talk a little bit about snacking and some of the tidbits I learned um, while just doing some research in anticipation of recording this for you. So one of the really key things that I learned about in terms of of psychology and eating and snacking is the kind of concept of how our brain really wants to achieve goals. You know, usually our brain, it's it's kind of wired to say, okay, I'm starting this project. My goal is to finish this project. And usually that's very helpful. You know, when you're cleaning up the kitchen or mowing the lawn, your brain kind of is wired to want to finish something. And that's normally a good thing. But when we think about snacking and eating, our brain is still in that goal oriented mode. And it's kind of like, ooh, we've opened this package of, you know, whatever it is, like a tube of Pringles, and my goal is to finish eating the entire package. And of course, that's not um, probably a conscious goal, but our brain, when it starts something, it really likes to go all the way and it sees that completion of the project. So eating the whole tube of Pringles as the goal. So not only are we sort of battling those, you know, the fact that it tastes good and we like snacking and all those things, we're also, when it comes to packaging and finishing a portion that's in front of us, we're actually having to also battle like this goal-oriented nature that our brain is used to doing. So one of the key things we can do with that is to not necessarily bring out a whole package of whatever the thing is. Like even from the raw world, we don't have to talk about Pringles, you know, those big tubs of medjool dates Probably not a good idea to bring the whole tub with you at your desk because subconsciously, unconsciously, you're gonna kind of your brain's just gonna go on autopilot and feel like it should finish the whole container. And that's probably not a good idea for anyone, even though dates are delicious, but they're actually very filling too. So, really, the idea here, of course, so instead of bringing the whole tub, you might wanna think, okay, maybe I'll put six dates in a little bowl and bring that to my desk and then. Your brain is still going to think, ooh, I should finish this goal, which is to eat the six, you know, finish your plate kind of thing. Finish all of the six dates. So that's a really key psychological thing that you can put into practice. So avoid taking the whole container with you and try to just put something in a little bowl. And of course, that kind of makes you more aware too, because you're going to, oops, hit the bottom of the bowl and run out and think, hmm, do I want more or... And if you do, then go for it and get some more. But I think the idea here is to put some boundaries on your eating when you think that they are warranted. So I like that idea in terms of the packaging. And I think I've certainly heard that before, but I hadn't thought about it through the lens of the psychology of what I just sort of explained there. So that's one thing. Another really interesting thing that I wanted to look into as well is you're probably like this, especially if you work on the computer a lot like I do, I find when I have something challenging, it really helps me to have some sort of bite-sized snack. It somehow helps me focus or I, I don't know what it is. I'm in the habit of having a snack at my computer. So I did a little bit of research into the why, like why do we want to have a snack And by snack, I kind of mean, you know, some little bite-sized thing to help you concentrate. So there definitely is some research behind this in terms of having little bite-sized snacks of something. When you have a little bite-sized chunk of something, it actually releases, doesn't really even matter what the thing is. It could be, you know, a bowl of candies or it could be a bowl of grapes, whatever the thing is. When you take a little bite sized snack of something, whatever it is, it actually releases some dopamine in your brain, which basically sort of releases a feeling of pleasure in your brain. And that dopamine release is also related to, I believe it's like learning and concentration. It kind of makes learning and concentration easier when you have more dopamine floating around in your brain. So it kind of makes sense that. You might want, especially when you're doing something that requires a lot of concentration, that you want to have that extra sort of dopamine release in your brain. So I can understand and it's okay to want a snack. But the idea is, well, if we can have some sort of bite-sized thing that is going to give you that release and it's not necessarily like sugar craving or salty craving or fat craving or It's not necessarily to do with what you're actually snacking on. It could be, or it could be that you're hungry and there's a lot of other reasons, but based strictly on this idea of, especially when you're wanting to concentrate on something, you can get some sort of bite-sized thing. And of course, I could give you a million ideas, like, you know, chop up a big watermelon into little bite-sized pieces or raisins, cherries, grapes, frozen grapes, nuts, seeds. You know, I could go on... Um, forever about this. But basically the idea is, sure, give yourself a bite sized morsel of something, but try to make it something that is healthy, of course. So I think that is really interesting. I think really the most interesting component about it is particularly if you're trying to concentrate and you're not even really caring so much about what the thing is that you're eating, then why not choose something healthy? And another tangent that I was reading about in terms of snacking, and it kind of goes against what I was just saying before, but there was a couple of rules that I read online about snacking. And one was the idea that you should not be snacking unless you're feeling a little bit hungry. So of course, if you're reaching for a snack and you're not hungry at all, well then why are you doing that? And it could be because you want some help with concentration or, you know, there's like a million reasons. But so one idea is to stop and think if you're having a craving, well, why do you want it? Is it because you're hungry or you're bored or what is the issue there? And this is something I have talked about in past episodes as well. As I I haven't brushed up on this, let me think because I found it really helpful. There's three reasons that people will eat, I believe. One is because you're hungry. is because you're in a habit, maybe always on your coffee break at work, you always eat during that time. Um, Or the third one might be because you're bored and you don't know what to do. So you're eating. So there's three different reasons that you might be eating in a general sense. And this um, topic of what we're talking about right now kind of reminds me of that as well. So I think when you're snacking, it's good to think about am I hungry and that's why I need a snack or I'm bored or I always snack when I'm at my computer what's the deal here so I did like I said I read a tip saying that you shouldn't snack unless you're actually hungry and I'm sure if if you can make that work for you I love you and tell let me know how that's working for you um the other good tip as well and again this kind of goes in the face of what we were talking about before where snacking actually helps you concentrate is if you are going to snack try not to snack while you're just doing your work or watching tv don't do it mindlessly because you could really snack a lot so the idea there is basically when you if you're hungry and you need a snack well focus on what you're eating and maybe stop your work have a little snack and then go back to it. Now, I do love to snack at my desk, so I don't know if that's a super practical thing that you might want to put into place. I think it's a great idea, but it may be hard to actually execute. So, but it, but it is generally an interesting concept. So that's another one. So I think that's kind of some of the main things that I learned about snacking and psychology. I thought they were quite interesting. But now I wanted to move into just a couple of other not necessarily pertaining to snacking, but just general concepts that were talked about in this book called Mindless Eating. And they're actually both related to plate, the type of plate or bowl that you're using. And again, these are not necessarily game-changing, life-changing tips, but they're subtle things that you can think about. And actually probably just when you're listening to this, it'll just be useful stuff to file away in the back of your brain to kind of just be aware of going forward. So the first one would be the size of your plate. So the general gist here is if you are serving food for yourself or your families, when you're using a big plate and you put a little dollop of something on it, it looks a little bit sad and you're like, oh man, let me put some more food on that plate. So the bigger your plate is, the more food you're naturally going to load onto that plate for yourself or other people in your house. And this is important because when, particularly when you're serving yourself on average, people tend to eat 92% of what they serve themselves, kind of whether they're serving themselves a little or a lot. So it is quite important in terms of the amount of food that you set in front of yourself to eat. So that's really good to know. So if you're have like gigantic plates in your house, and that's kind of all you have and what you're always using, then it might be an idea to get some smaller plates or to to try to get into the habit of reaching for the smaller plate when you're serving something. You know me, I'm not one for trying to starve yourself or eating super low calorie diets, but I am really a proponent of let's, change the environment let's make some things that are going to make it easier for you to achieve the goals that you want and to eat healthily feel better more energized and all of that good stuff so basically plate size is really important and that of course goes for bowls and cups and all kinds of things because i do consider myself somewhat of a food photographer i actually love to have a lot of different plates and different sizes and quite a random mishmash of plates and things in my kitchen. And I really enjoy selecting different size plates or like having a whole bunch of little bowls for my meal instead of like one gigantic plate. So it it can be kind of a fun thing too, as long as it doesn't make too many dishes for you. Another interesting one was related to color and contrast. So picture this, let's say you have a nice medium size white plate and you're going to load that full of, let's say, Alfredo pasta. So, of course, Alfredo pasta is creamy in color. So you've got white pasta on a white plate. On average, people are going to put way more pasta on that plate because it kind of just all blends together. It's hard to tell what's on the plate. And generally, when you're putting the same color of food on a plate, you're going to just load it up way more. So this is in comparison to, let's pretend you had a red plate, like a really super vibrant red plate. And then you're going to slop some fettuccine alfredo on that. And you're actually going to put less because it you can really see like, ooh, I can see this pasta. It looks great. It looks delicious. It's really taking up space on the plate. And so that is actually just due to the contrast, the color contrast between the white and the red. So that again, this is not something you need to religiously live your life by, but it's an interesting, again, another reminder of all these things that come into play every day when we're just trying to figure out what to serve ourselves and what to eat. So I thought that was really interesting too. This book, called Mindless Eating. I actually read it probably, hmm, maybe two years ago. It Again, by Dr. Brian Wensink. And he's some sort of PhD in all of this food psychology stuff. But it's really, it's actually a quite a small book. It's very easy to read, just kind of goes over in interesting detail, not too scientific about some of these studies. And, you know, it, it's it's quite interesting. So I think I hope this has been helpful to you and let me just analyze going back to my story from the beginning here about my husband and his carrot chomping even though he doesn't like carrots and I think the idea there was really that we were all having a good conversation. It was kind of similar to when you're doing work on your computer or watching TV. You're not necessarily thinking about it. You're just reaching for whatever is in front of you and munching away. So this is kind of the classic example of I try baby carrots instead of candy or popcorn, which doesn't sound very exciting. But when you are doing it quite mindlessly and just kind of mowing down whatever is in front of you, just give it a try in terms of something um, healthy instead of the delicious snack that you might otherwise reach for. I also do this with drinking water at my desk. Somehow, I've gotten into a wonderfully good habit of somehow I have a huge cup with a big fancy straw in it, and I always fill that up with water when I'm at my desk. And I never think about drinking, but somehow I keep just slamming that water back all day long. And that's my kind of mindless way of getting a lot of water into my body without really thinking about it at all. So The idea here is we're making 200 food decisions every day, and it's kind of a battle. We've got not only willpower we're dealing with, but also our ingrained habits and psychology and all that stuff. So if this is any interest of you to you, I um, definitely recommend that book or just do a little bit of Google searching about all this stuff. There's some really fascinating um, articles and studies out there on all this stuff. So I hope that's been helpful. Thank you so much for joining me and I will talk to you next time. You have been listening to the Raw Food Podcast with your host, The Rawtarian. Be sure to visit me at therawtarian.com where you can browse over 100 of my absolute favorite simple, satisfying raw vegan recipes that you'll find pretty quick to make and with just a few ingredients and that taste amazing. While you're there, be sure to sign up for my newsletter, and once you've signed up for that, you'll automatically get a PDF copy of 11 of my most favorite, most satisfying, most delicious recipes, including raw vegan Alfredo sauce, raw brownies, and a whole host of other delicious recipes that you can make at home that are raw and taste amazing. Thank you so much for joining me, and I hope to hear from you very soon. And until next time, enjoy your raw adventure.